Welcome back to Tess Talks. My name is Tessa and I'm your host. Today I'm talking with the daughter of one of my very good friends. Her name is Emily. She's 23 years old. Um, we're going to be talking about her journey to medical school. And um, currently Emily is teaching math and science in um, 8th through 12th grade. She also started an emergency response class at the school where she's teaching. She created the curriculum for that class and she's teaching that class. Emily loves house music, which I had to ask her what that was, and um, sort of like techno from when I was young. And she also loves gardening. I am so excited to chat with her today and see her perspective on getting through high school and getting into medical school. So let's get started. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm very happy to be here. I am so excited to talk to you about this. So, um, so first tell me like, what, what was your dream as a kid? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you want to be where you're at now? Um, so surprisingly, when I was really young, I was really interested in um, forensic analysis and blood splatter. And that mostly had to do, I know, crazy, but like very much like Dexter yeah. TV show. <laughs> you're like um, five years old and you're like, I want to yeah. be... <laughs> wanted to be something like law enforcement detective like something like science criminal um and when I went to high school I actually was involved in a magnet program and it was the biomedical sciences program and I specifically was training in that program to be um I'm pretty sure like a lab technician or something and I would actually graduate with a certificate and I learned all about the anatomy and micropipetting and all these lab skills. And I had a case study. So how this magnet program worked was they actually gave us a patient and it was like, her name was like Anna Garcia. And they gave us all these symptoms and we had to work from the very like kind of backwards for a case where we had to find all the diagnostic skills and find out all this information about a case and actually diagnose this patient. And wow. so throughout the whole school year in high school, you know, as high school students, we actually had to learn all these medical procedures and lab techniques and fully diagnose this imaginary patient. And so I think once I experienced that, I was like, oh, like light bulb is on. I definitely, you know, want to be a physician. Wow. That is I think it's really cool that they're doing programs like that now in schools um, to really help you see what you want to do, you know, because that even though you wanted to be like in forensics, you're still like in sort of in that same field, but, but you've gone more towards like medical. Right. It just gives you exposure to so much information as a, a student that you can actually look at your interests and apply them to like real life one day, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, so once you were done with, with high school and doing this program, did you get your certificate? No. And that caused 
so many issues um, with my school. So I went to, you know, the magnet school and uh, junior year, right as I was about to enter junior year, I was doing fantastic in this program. And I was offered a seat to the early college program. And what that would do is allow me to get my associate's degree as a high school student all for free. Yeah. And that's an amazing program. (laughs) It was, I mean, it was incredible to even be invited for this program and I knew I had to do it. And I wasn't, you know, I was very lonerish in high school. Looking back, I used to eat my lunch in like the library and I was very focused on my studies. I, I really only cared about school, um, which is not like most teenagers. (laughs) No. (laughs) And especially most teenagers who look like you, I know nobody can see what you look like, but you are like the most, one of the most beautiful young women I have ever seen. And like, seriously, um, uh, you got you and your mother are so beautiful. And yet you were just so like, focused on school and didn't even, you didn't have time for all this normal stuff. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's funny because in high school, um, I think part of the reason why I was so focused on that stuff is because I just felt, you know, like I was a teenager, I felt depressed and sad and it just felt, everything felt so awkward. And I went to a really large high school. So I think making friends felt super overwhelming. Um, I like Mm -hmm. looking back at my pictures, I did have friends and I partially did normal teenage stuff, but I also in my mind felt very secluded. So it's really Mm -hmm. interesting to look back on how you view high school as an adult versus when you're in it. Yes, it really is. Sometimes it's like, man, I wish I'd known what I know now. So I could have applied myself more. Right. (laughs) Except for for you, because you did so well. (laughs) Right. So but, then, you know, so then you graduated with your associate associates then. Right. So like I was saying, I was very like, at least I felt in my head, very lonerish. And that's why I focused on my studies. So doing this early college program allowed me to completely leave campus. And that allowed me to get a whole new group of friends and, you know, hang around the adults and be on like a, a mini college campus. And it felt so empowering to finally just like be on my own and have like autonomy over my schedule. And that is where I really like blossomed into like identifying who I wanted to become as a person and as an individual. Um, This um, college campus was amazing because even though we were high school students, you know, I'm 16 years old sitting in class next to a 30 year old and a 22 year old. Like it was very like comical, but it was nice that the college actually allowed us to take part in the college community. So I really jumped at that. I immediately um, went for the honor society and I somehow finagled into being president of the honor society. <laughs> 17. And then I also found it was was like really interesting because the club was like empty. So I I had to do a lot of work to like get club meetings. Um, But then I was also in student government. And that's where I really felt connected to the campus because I was not only working with adults, but actually 
taking part in meetings and bringing a voice to like making a difference on the campus, which, you know, as a 16, 17 year old, most adults don't really take you seriously. Right. And that's like, you know, cause like you are young and you're immature and <laughs> your frontal lobe <laughs> is not finished developing. Um, but it feels so good to have someone look you in the eye and like respect you and take you seriously. So when I got that opportunity, I really took advantage of it and like stepping up to the plate with my studies and like my role on campus. That is fantastic. So what would you say to someone who is in high school now or even like middle school? Like now let's say like two different scenarios, like that they have a school that does a magnet program, um, but not where they can do the um, early college or a, a school that does both. So um, I actually have a great perspective on this because I'm currently working as a high school teacher. Are you um, awesome? So, <laughs> so that was like my fun, um, my fun job right now. But so I work with um, eighth through 12th grade. So partially middle school, um, mostly high school. And I currently work in a very rural area. So my school um, is a bit smaller. There's only about 90 kids in it. And a lot of them come from underserved uh, backgrounds. And I always, always, always tell my kids, you may not have the grades or the resources or even sometimes the drive. There is always opportunity for you. And I always tell them that college is not always the answer. You do not have to go to college to be a successful person. You don't have to have this like outstanding job to feel um, proud and developed as an individual. Like you really can thrive in like who you are as a person and just like find what you truly love. Mm-hmm. So as someone who's in middle school or high school and let's say can't go to an early college program, I always tell them like, look at trade jobs, like welders right now make a fantastic living, plumbing, AC, especially in Florida. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, you need that down there, huh? (laughs) Yes. So, you know, there are, I just kind of realized that uh, life is really short and you should go into something that makes you feel like you're living a good life. Like you're not just going to work to make money and then go home. And there's just so many different ways to do that. Yeah. That's it's hard when you have a job that you don't like um, or something that you just, you know, you dread doing every day. Uh, It's, I feel like it's really important to do something that you have a passion for or a drive for because otherwise you'll just be miserable. Absolutely. And a lot of my kids, like, you know, right now I teach algebra and I always get Miss Conti, like, we don't need algebra. Like, why am I taking this class? (laughs) And, you know, like, I always tell them, I say, listen, you're not actually going to use like the quadratic formula again. You're not like, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm an adult. I don't use it. But what I do use is the foundational skills that I needed to succeed in the class. So Mm -hmm. some of the subjects we take like geometry, you're not going to be using in the future per se, like as you see it in the textbook, but 
for you to be able to develop critical thinking skills and problem solving skills and your own intrinsic motivation to succeed or surpass something that is uncomfortable or difficult for you is such a crucial skill as a developing adolescent. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, they, they're, they think I'm talking crazy when I say that. <laughs> I have well, this- <laughs> I, think, I think it's great though. I think it's awesome that you at such, because I mean, you're still young yourself, but you have such a great perspective of it, of, you know, yeah, you might not use all of this, but there are some parts you're going to use because um so connor is going to be 15 this month and he's actually yeah. taking i know can you believe it <laughs> he was so young <laughs> so little um but he is actually in algebra right now in ninth grade he's in um, algebra and um he like he's the first semester he didn't really he hated it he was like i hate this i don't there's no point in me using this ever in my life and, um, and my husband and I were like, well, okay, hold on. You want to fly airplanes. Um, you have to use math in airplane, you know, like as a, as a pilot or anything. <laughs> like, so yes, you actually will use it. And I think when he finally realized, oh, I, this is what I will use because this is the field I want to go in that he started to take it a little bit more serious. And he like it's no problem for him and it's because he has a different perspective of it now where before Mm -hmm. even though he could do it he didn't want to you know Mm -hmm. and now now he's succeeding in it because he's like oh I will use this and so I try to apply that to everything for him though um but he's in a school that um they have all kinds of trades and he's actually doing aircraft mechanics ah so that's amazing I know isn't that cool? So, and he's ninth grade, 15 years old, and he's learning how to work on aircraft already. And it's a, been a really cool experience for him. And now this school doesn't have the college program, but I think it's awesome. Whether you do a trade or the college program, either one will really help you with your future. Absolutely. I think being challenged at that age is so important because it helps them identify, Hey, I can do this. And Oh, like if I'm uncomfortable for a little bit, I actually see great payoff. I always, um, I use this a little analogy and it's been my favorite since I heard it. I was like 19 when I heard it. And it was like in your brain, cause you know, I'm the science girl. That's just my thing in your brain. (laughs) You have neurons, right? And you can think of neurons as like a, like piece of wood. And when all of your neurons connect, they connect like a fence. So imagine like each little like thing of wood next to each other and you connect them like a picket fence. And that's like a neural pathway. Every time you learn something new, you're creating a new fence, like a new pathway. And I always tell them that the more you learn and push yourself to learn things, the like greater the pathways are and the easier it is things to learn. So if you're struggling now in algebra, it's very easy for you to learn calculus years from now because you struggle to learn algebra. 
if that mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think what a blessing you are to those kids because you're not just teaching them and then going, oh, you kids who aren't paying attention. Like you're actually really trying to help them understand why it's important and not just, oh, well, you don't get it. Okay, whatever. Let's move on to the next section. You know, I, I think that's really awesome of your outlook. Um, I, you probably would do that in any subject you were doing, you know? So I think that's, I think that's amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. But it is like, I am 23. I remember being in high school. I know the pouting and sometimes (laughs) they're tired and let them sleep because I know what it's like. And being a teenager is hard. So you need someone who, you need someone who like cares enough to just let them be themselves while still also respecting them enough to push them. Yes. Yes. Very well said. Thank you. Um, so tell us what you did after high school then. What did you go to school? Did you go on any trips? So, um, I finished the early college program, which was wonderful. And I was really scared of change and I convinced myself that I was not going to go to university and I was going to stay right put in my parents' house (laughs) in Clearwater um, and continue the community college um, to finish my bachelor's. I was just, you know, I was scared. So um, all my friends were applying to universities and I just stayed put. Um, And that was around like, you know, October, November when everyone applies. Um, And February... I don't know what fire was lit under my butt, but I was like, like, I can absolutely do this. Like, what am I waiting for? So I applied extremely (laughs) late, like a month before the application was due to the University of Florida and to the University of South Florida. Um, I got into USF, I think 30 minutes after I submitted the application. Oh my goodness. See, look at that. That was funny. Um, But, you know, like my family is from Tampa. So I wanted to, I was feeling a little more brave. um, And I applied to UF and I did not get in, which was Mm. just the biggest shock of my life. (laughs) I sat there too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, um, you know, it was a little dramatic because when you do the early college program, you're supposed to apply as a transfer student because you already have college credit. And um, I think I just wanted the clout of applying as a freshman because it's harder to get in that way. <laughs> so I did apply as a transfer and lo and behold, I got in. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you know, um, I, it was, it was really wonderful. I actually found out I got in, um, at like 10 29. I remember the day it was 10 29 at night and I was doing like physics homework and I got in with a contingency and the contingency was I had to get a B in both calc one calculus and physics. Um, so I was currently wow. in that physics class when I got the acceptance letter and I was not doing too hot. Um, so I think a couple weeks later, I took the physics final and I was at like the border, right? I was at like a C something and I needed a B 
to get in. Um, and I took this final and I just, I, I just wasn't sure about it. I had no idea. Um, so I finished the final and I sat on the park bench outside my classroom and I'm crying and I'm crying and I'm crying. I'm like, oh my God, like my life is over. I'm not going to UF. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's like the most monumental moment for a 17 year old. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what, like why I thought this was acceptable looking back um, as a teacher now, but I ran like Usain Bolt across my community college campus and I chased my professor out to his car in the parking lot. Like, oh my gosh, Emily. <laughs> ran towards this man, like full, like crying, red, frizzy hair. I probably smelled like from being outside ran up to this man sobbing now he was the dean of the physics and mathematics department at my school so he carried a lot of weight and he was like this tall scary like always wore a full suit man very monotone never showed emotion and um I went right up to him in his face and I said like this, this like exam means everything to me. Like, this is my future. I went to tutoring for like 10 hours every week. Like I was there every single day. Tutors knew me by my name. Like I really put my all into this class. And I was like, please, like, I need this more than anything. Like I've tried so hard. Like I'm a good student. I know it. Like I need to go to UF, please. And um, <laughs> he just said, like, okay. <laughs> he was like, I don't, he's like, you know, like, I, this is, this is your exam. I don't know what to do. And he's like, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you, Emily. And went back in his car and drove away. And I just in the parking lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish I could have seen this. <laughs> so anyways, um. I passed the class. I got a B and um, I went Good. to UF. Uh, That's and... awesome. That's awesome. Did he ever say anything to you later? I never saw that man again. All I saw was a B on my transcript. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure I made an impression on him. <laughs> That's so funny. But you prob- he probably didn't give you a B because you said that. You probably earned it. Oh, yeah, I think I did. I don't even think he could fudge the numbers yeah. or anything. You know, I mean, I did go to tutoring so much. I had this one tutor <laughs> at my college campus who I forget her name actually, but I mean, she became like my mentor and best friend. And when I got into UF, she gave me this cute little fortune cookie with a note. And it was just, it's so nice to see the relationships you establish with people and like how they really help you on your journey. And like, you have to just yes. show some gratitude towards them. Yeah. How sweet. That's really, really awesome. So what, so what then, what after you got in? Right. Long is such a long process, but anyway, so I got into love. <laughs> it was amazing. It was like a whole new world at this point. Um, my very first class, it was chem 2047, which was supposed to be like 
kind of a mixture between the general chemistries I took in community college and the upper level chemistry I would take at UF, which would be organic chemistry. Um, I got a 26% on my first exam. <laughs> it was such a shock, you know, cause I'm, I'm 18 years old at this point, moved away from home. There's 200 people in my classroom auditorium. There's like this big, large campus. And I think, you know, part of my language, I think I'm the shit. Like <laughs> I came from this campus, um, like with great, like great grades. And I thought I knew how to study and I was awesome. And I was very far from the truth. So yeah, I definitely struggled when I got to UF and I definitely learned over that fall and spring semester, my first year, like I actually need to apply myself more than I have in my entire life. So, um, well, and there's a point uh, sometimes too, when you're, when you're young like that, um, you think you're applying yourself. Right. Um, and then when someone says, well, you need to try harder, you're like, I'm, I do try harder, but there's actually harder that you can try. Right. <laughs> UF did show me that UF humbled me. <laughs> wow. Um, in my time at UF, I felt thankful because it was the most challenged I had been and I struggled the most, but it, it did pay off. So, um, in my spring semester at UF, I came across this, you know, cause at this point I knew I did want to pursue medicine um, and I came across this ad called Atlantis and it was like pre-meds, like travel abroad, like shadow doctors. And I'm like, oh, this is a scam. <laughs> and I just ignored <laughs> it. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Like these people are trying to take my money. Like this is so dumb. Mm -hmm. And I'm it is on like every single, you know, cause Instagram has like the ads in between the pictures now, like oh my gosh, these ads everywhere. Like I must've been talking about being a pre-med because my computer like heard that, heard uh -huh. I was pre-med. So was this ad. So one day on a whim, I'm like, all right, you know what? Like, I'm just curious. Right. Um, so I like put in my information and I put in an application and I see it's like a three-step application. I'm like, what? But um, I was feeding my ego a little bit and I saw that it said competitive and that's like one of my favorite <laughs> words. <laughs> so I was like competitive. I was like, you know what? I probably won't even get in. Like, let me just apply and put it out into the universe and like, let's just see what happens. Um, I didn't even like, I really didn't think I was going to get in. I didn't even tell my parents. I just, you know, like just a quick on my phone thing. Um, oh. so. <laughs> I'm I like bet your 19. mom was so happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, because a month later, I get a phone call and they're like, hi, like, we're from the Atlantis team and like, you have been accepted to like, you know, continue this application or like, would you like to schedule a phone interview so we can like confirm that you're going to do this? And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't think I'd get here. 
Oh my gosh. So, um, I call my mom and I'm like, Hey, so I know this is random, but I actually got like nominated or accepted or whatever to do this like crazy Italy travel abroad thing. And she's like, like, Emily, like, that's so frustrating. Like now you have to do it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. She's like, I'm angry, but like you were accepted. Like now you have to like go through with it. Mm -hmm. So that's so um, funny. Oh my gosh. It's so random. Like, (laughs) so I do the phone interview. Uh, I mean, these people were amazing and my background is that I'm Italian. So like the chance to go to Italy while pursuing something for school just seemed like too good to be true. So, um, yeah, the phone interview happened and I was accepted along with, I think like 15 other people to go on this trip. Um, wow it was it felt life-changing and I didn't even know what was in store yet so yeah so tell us about Um, the trip a little bit like what what did you do while you were there did and of course if you got to do anything fun while you were there or did you just you know (laughs) work (laughs) (laughs) um it was definitely a little bit of both um So I got there and there's about a group of 20 of us and um, we were in Milan, which was gorgeous. My family's from Southern Italy. So I was very curious just to see Italy in general, but also Northern Italy and the fashion capital. Um, Yeah. What an awesome experience. (laughs) The plane ride was very long, (laughs) Um, but I get off the plane. I meet everyone. It's wonderful. And they give us the rundown saying we're going to a hospital and how it, how it will work is you are going to shadow four different branches of medicine. So in my time there, we would walk from our Airbnb to the train and then walk to the hospital in our white lab coats, which were very hot (laughs) this summer. Um, and I toured or I guess shadowed four different specialties. So I did trauma, I did neuro, I did, I believe cardio and some sort of spinal subspecialty. I'm pretty sure. Um, and they allowed me to essentially be hip and hip with a doctor who mind you spoke no English. Oh, and I got to go into the day to day with them. I went into surgeries. I went into, um, like just patient rooms. Um, I went around the whole hospital, but the most outstanding experience I had there was when I was on my neuro rotation, I, I, I swear I, he really did look like, um, What's his name? I can't remember it now from me, the neurosurgeon. Hmm. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know why I'm blinking. Um, oh, Dr. Shepard. He looked just okay. like Dr. Shepard, the Grey's Anatomy show. And he was a neurosurgeon. He's 19 year old me was drooling over him. He was gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Um, took me into a surgery to remove a parietal tumor from a three-year-old. Oh, oh, wow. 
Oh gosh. The, I was shocked that they even let me into the OR. Here I am with my dirty sneakers and greasy hair. <laughs> the, the standards <laughs> there are a little different than the U.S., um, but they did kind of have me scrub in and I stood there for eight hours. And as I watched, yeah. And I watched the wow. whole surgery of this three-year-old. Um, mm. I mean, to see the parents like kiss their child goodbye or, you know, goodbye for now, um, before like getting ready for the surgery is like, it feels very, what's the word? I guess it feels uh, sacred almost to be given that opportunity to see something as like genuine and raw like that. Mm-hmm. So I take it very seriously. Um, I had a little red leather notebook in my pocket and I still have it to this day. Um, I took notes during that whole surgery. And luckily I had a female surgeon also there And she was so kind. And I remember her performing like the main parts of the surgery and trying to tell me what was going on. And I remember feeling like, wow, like I can do this. Like to see like a female surgeon with like the same like dark curly hair as mine. It felt so empowering to be like, this is something that like I could achieve in my lifetime and have like the honor of helping someone like this. Um, and I remember there was a part in the surgery. I don't know if they were not taking a break, but they were doing something and both the surgeons left and I'm just stood there standing at the head of the surgery table with like this child there. And I like sat there in front and I closed my eyes for a second and I just envisioned myself what it would be like to be the surgeon on this case. And to be the one to talk to the parents afterwards and like kind of like guide this whole intense journey for like this three-year-old. And like, I knew in my heart in that moment that like, this is exactly what I need to be when I'm older, that I need to be someone in medicine and like, just have like the privilege of doing this. Wow. What an awesome experience. So to have that in your family's homeland. And in a, you know, trying to discover what field you want to go in and, and with a little child, like, I just can't imagine. It was, I mean, I went, I was buzzing when I left, like, you don't feel your feet in that type of surgery because you're just too concentrated on what's happening. Um, so, you know, the, the rest of the trip, I had so many experiences like that. And I feel so grateful for that trip because I try to follow this advice, you know, now that I'm accepted into medical school, that everything you do in your life, you know, when you are applying to medical school, or I guess this can also relate in general, but everything you do should be proving to yourself. Why do you want to be in medicine? You know, you're not Mm -hmm. proving to your dad who wants you to be a doctor or the admissions people or your counselor at school who's really mean had that happen <laughs> um you're just you know you're, <laughs> you're you're proving it to yourself and that whole trip I 
I found that even when I was tired or hungry or in a rotation, I wasn't particularly interested in, I found moments of connection where I still valued medicine. And I knew that in every type, which way that I still wanted to be a physician. That's so awesome. Um, and so that is where you decided to, um, change your, not change your course, but to go through for that, this specific thing. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I definitely, you know, at the time when you're young, like you're there, there's always going to be different experiences where you figure out what your specialty is. But I knew that was something I was definitely interested in. Um, at the time I was also, vice president of the neuroscience club at UF. So I was like all gung-ho neuro. That was my thing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I came back from that trip, like a changed woman. (laughs) That's awesome. So since, since you came home from that, did you do any other type of programs like that or internships, or did you just focus on school? Right. Um, In my time at UF, I also worked in, I guess, two organizations. The first one's called First Responder Gator, which I've actually heard they have at different uh, colleges. And kind of how that works is you become like the first response team or almost like the first responders slash like paramedic for your school's campus. Um, so I was lucky enough to be a student and get certified in first response and basic life support and CPR. And then I went on to actually teach that class as a TA. And I did the Gator Emergency Medical Response Unit, which is where we have the cute little ambulance and we go around with our ambulance jump bag and kind of just help (laughs) anyone who needs us. That is so cool. You know, I think it's important. um, Well, I mean, not just for medical students, but, um, you know, in in different places in the country, like I lived in Missouri once, and um, there was always a first response team for either an ice storm or tornado, you know, things like that. And that would be something that like, that you're certified in now. Right. Yeah. It was, you know, it's such a fun experience. Like kind of how I was talking about, um, being younger, you know, I'm 19 years old at college and I'm the one in charge to handle like a, <laughs> you know, a call on the radio. Cause we had the police radio dispatch working with us. Mm-hmm. So we would get a call and we're like, Oh, you know, ETOH like person, which is like alcohol intoxication. And we like run over on our golf cart (laughs) and like put it on our gloves. We do the whole like shebang. Um, and it's like, it's fun and it's exciting. And I think in your head beyond that fun and excitement, you're like, Oh crap. Like I'm actually in charge of taking care of a person's health. Mm-hmm. And like as a 19 year old, you, you really start to take on that responsibility in the role of like, well, what if this actually happens? Like, what do I do? And you start realizing like, I want to be prepared. I want to be informed. So I think that was a That's great so opportunity. Cool. 
Yes. What yeah. a great experience for you and for someone so young to, to go through and to understand, you know, and learn from and understand. Um, so what do you think, or how do you like, I, I kind of want to talk about just up into that point, like your mom supporting you or your family supporting you. Gosh, my mother, I think she <laughs> deserves my salary when I, when I become an attending, <laughs> she deserves Better buy all. her something nice. That's right. Oh, <laughs> like if she gets a black card, she gets a Prada bag, she gets the car, like she gets it all. <laughs> That's so um, awesome. No, um, my mom is someone who I knew I could always rely on for unwavering, like true support, because as a pre-med, I think you struggle so much with imposter syndrome and believing you can't do it that having someone who absolutely believes you can do this and constantly reminds you is like so crucial. And just like having her, I really like believe she's the reason I even like made it here. Yeah. Your mom is, is so amazing. Um, I just, when you said that, you know, when you called her to tell her about the Italy trip and, and she's like, well, now you have to, because you were, you know, you're accepted and, and, um, and I know what, you know, I know what she went through to help you to, to get there to Italy. And, um, she's absolutely amazing. It's wonderful to have someone, especially I think a parent who is behind you 200 million percent, you know, I mean, your mom is like, I don't know. She is super woman, super mom. And, um, all she ever thinks about is you and your brother and what, what an amazing thing to have that though. You know, not, not all kids have that. So, right. you know, you're, you're so lucky. <laughs> is, um, the definition of selfless. Like she really mm -hmm. is just like the embodiment of like love and support. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that. And I, I really do think about how, even though I did struggle, like I was so privileged to have her support, like emotionally, financially, like throughout all these years, it has not been easy. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, every struggle that I went through, she also went through with me. So this was definitely a, a team effort here. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what, just how, how I'm sure you're so grateful, um, for the support and, and for her strength. Um, did you, and I mean, I don't know, so I don't, and if this is an uncomfortable question, just tell me, but, and I don't know what your faith is, but do, did you rely on God at all? Did you, he you know, did. do you have that? So I wasn't um, exactly a religious person. Um, I guess when I was like 18, 19, um, I did grow up Catholic. And I think in my adulthood, I've turned to more like a spiritual sense. And mm -hmm. I really focused on, I guess, like an inner faith to like guide me to this point. Cause there's, there's so much unknown and I think this is 
kind of universal where it's like faith is not tangible per se. Like you can't like know. So you really do have to have like faith in like a God or like something higher up for you to kind of get you through hard times. Um, I know Mm -hmm. that's not like for everyone. And I like respect people who don't necessarily like use religion or spirituality, but like for me, that was something that really got me through, like knowing I had a higher calling and that this was something that I was supposed to go through to get to here. Absolutely. I'm I'm glad um, that you were able to, I guess, see that and understand that and rely on that faith because, you know, it doesn't matter what religion per se you're in, but, you know, you, you have to have faith that, you know, God is directing you, or this is what he wants for you, or, you know, I mean, and if you, if you follow that, it will really help you, you know, to, to get to where you need to go. It definitely helped me. Um, You know, there are times where you're struggling and you feel like you're underwater and that you can't do it. And sometimes like as an individual, you just need to like look inside or give up like your doubt and worry to something else, whatever that may be. And I think in like any sort of like circumstance, whether it's like grief or struggling or feeling lost and confused in life, that that's something that can like definitely guide someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So through your process of getting to where you are now, um, were there any stumbling blocks or roadblocks that you maybe went through? And, and, and if so, how did you get, you know, how did you get over them, overcome them? (laughs) It, um, it genuinely, you know, it might not look like this from the outside, but it genuinely feels like the whole process was one big stumbling block. Like it, <laughs> I can, I can look back and say, this really was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, I think I mostly dealt with struggling with school, which I think us as pre-meds, we all do, but also struggling with the idea of like my identity as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, being someone who is mostly type A, um, we all kind of like have this like idea that we need to like work hard. And if we don't work hard, then we're not good people and we're going to fail. And if we don't do well in school and we're failures, then we're failures as people. And life isn't worth living at that point. It's this like this big jumble. And I really had to take time to separate my identity and like who I was as a person and my performance in school. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't someone who had the highest grades. I definitely always did well in terms of being ambitious, but like in terms of like my GPA, like when I was at community college, I, I don't even think I had a 3.5, like I had a 3.4, Um, when I got to UF, I, you know, my GPA saw the twos sometimes, I think like one time it almost saw the ones I've had drop classes. I've had failures. I've had many, many retakes, um, lots of tutoring and lots of telling myself that I 
am still smart and I'm still capable, even though I got a 26%. I would say my biggest roadblock was the MCAT. Um, Mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the MCAT. So for anyone listening who isn't, the MCAT is the uh, medical college admissions test. It is eight hours long and 230 questions to no 280 questions, something around there. Wow. Um, it is tough. And, um, I think when you're young and you're impressionable, you only hear expectations of what you're supposed to be. So I always heard, Oh, like you need a 4.0 and a, the highest score you can get is like a 527, something like that. So you need like a, a 520 plus on the MCAT to get into medical school or you're dumb things like that. Yeah. So I was very stressed in my senior year and I decided on a whim that I was going to apply to medical school in that specific year because the admission cycle takes about a full year. So you really have to plan ahead if you're going to do it. That's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I nor most people take between as little as like two months, but most of the time it's about like four to six months to study for the MCAT. Wow. And um, I really didn't give myself that time. So I took a full semester load of classes before graduating. And I decided at the last second, I'd take the MCAT. Um, and I was like, you know what? Uh, my mom being the extremely amazing and supportive person she is, bought me an MCAT prep course. And we were like, oh, this is foolproof. Like if you do the prep course and you're still in school, <laughs> of course you do well. <laughs> like it makes perfect sense. Why doesn't everyone do this? Um, so she, I mean, she was amazing and worked overtime to pay for this very expensive package. It's like $3,000. Wow. Absolutely insane. Um, so I did the prep course and I scored extremely poorly, extremely. <laughs> um, like I am pretty sure my score went down after taking the course, like from all the practice <laughs> runs. It was an absolute oh, terrible. Oh, it was it was bad. But, you know, speaking of the faith, I had faith that even though I didn't look good on paper, that I felt I proved to myself I was ready for medical school. And I had faith that I knew I was supposed to be a physician. So I went ahead and submitted my application. And I just kind of had blind faith. Um, And I got, you know, I got the score was fairly bad. And I'm like, well, you know what? Like, Maybe, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe I was really stressed or something on test day. And my mom, once again, rooting for me, we book another exam, like two months after I submit my primary application, which is like, which, um, may seem confusing, but that score would also go towards the initial application I submitted. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So two months go by. Um, I take it and I get the exact same score. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I get the exact same score. Um, so I actually opened up that score when I was working in the ER because I was working as a medical scribe after graduation. And I went into the bathroom and I, you know, I did my crying. And of Aww. course we had like a million calls in the ER that day. So I like, you know, finished crying really quick and just got back on it. I'm like, I'm not going to let this get me down. Like my applications out there, um, like it could still happen. Because how medical school works is there's no failing score per se. There's just kind of like a an ebb and flow to what's great and what's good and what's bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I still had faith and I was like, maybe they're going to see I'm determined with the second MCAT. Um, and I really just, I relied on blind faith and I was like, I know this is what I want and I'm just going to continue pushing until I get it. Um, and I, you know, I, I did not get in that cycle, which was really devastating. I think I applied to almost 20 different schools. Wow. And, um, that's also extremely pricey. I think it was about like, I think with the MCAT package, we spent over $6,000 on that cycle at least. Wow. So my mom not only was dealing with the financial burden of supporting me, but also the emotional burden of me calling her every week, like got another rejection or yeah. MCAT scores. Um, it was a really hard period, but in that time, um, I was like, I, you know, this is what I want. And I was working in the hospital at the time. So I felt even more passionate about going into this and seeing people's story and talking to patients as like someone up close and personal felt tangible. Like my dream was in within reach. So continuing my roadblock, I took the MCAT for a third time. Now, this time was very different. I spent six, almost seven very long months studying for this exam. I was also working full time. So I was working 14 hour days in a hospital that was like about an hour from me. Wow. Which was hard. Um, I was studying in the hospital in between patients. And then on my days off, I was spending like eight to 10 hour days studying. Um, so it was, you, you know, wanted was, this, <laughs> I wanted this. And I, I think the best part about all of it is that I knew I wanted it because I was up close and personal, you know, from the Atlantis story of traveling with the neurosurgeon and being a first responder in school to then being a medical scribe. Like I had so many interactions that confirmed my like belief that I was going to be an amazing physician and like help people one day. Mm -hmm. I think so, it's wonderful um, that you didn't give up. I almost did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I almost did, but I did not. Yes, you're right. Um, and that's really like, thanks to my mom and my family just for 
and my friends just all being so supportive and having like faith in me because if someone saw me on paper as like a medical student standpoint and saw like my GPA or my MCAT, they would say like, you're not built for this field. Like you're never going to make it. And that just was not true. So um, I finish up those six long months of studying and working and I take the MCAT and I like fail it again. Oh no. And <laughs> Oh my um, gosh, I thought you were going to tell me it was a completely different outcome. Well, no, it's third time is not the charm. <laughs> wow. You know, I think that's kind of what's beautiful about this story is I did not get a score that I wanted or even felt was good. Um, I think like there was some percentage tracker where if I got that score with my GPA, I had a 9% chance of getting in. Mm. Um, so it was really low, really scary, but, um, I continued knowing that I already proved to myself that I was ready for medical school, despite that. MCAT score that I thought was bad or the GPA or any of it. And I focused on my experiences. And I always used to tell myself when I felt really down about like my grades and when I used to type my CV, I told myself that people who don't struggle in the way I am are missing the unique opportunity to grow as a person. So I, I had to look at every opportunity when I failed as um, a place where I could like grow and become better and gain a new perspective. That's you know, so wonderful at, at your age to have that perspective because so many people just give up. Right. It's so hard. <laughs> It's, it's uh, soul shattering sometimes, which it seems silly, you know, like it's like I'm applying to a medical school, you know, like it's, it's so superficial and like a world of like such like deep things. Um, but when you really like want something and you like are so hungry for it, it's really like all that matters. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what happened working. after this? <laughs> oh, sorry, <Right>. go ahead. <laughs> Um, at this point, the first application cycle was just ending. I was getting, you know, like all 20 of my rejections. Um, and I said, okay, like this is horrible. Yep. But chin up. And I was like, I already took the MCAT. Might as well just submit the application. So, um, I submitted it again and I just, I tried again. Um, this time I didn't apply to as many schools because I felt like I wasn't going to get in. Like I didn't have the the money for it. You know, I was working. I'm not trying to spend all of Joanne's money. <laughs> um, but I applied, I think I applied to about nine schools and over the summer. So how the application cycle works is there's a primary application, which is like the MCAT and my grades. Then there's a secondary where you write essays. And, you know, obviously my GPA and MCAT aren't beautiful. So 
I knew that like the secondary application is where I really had to stand out. But because I already typed secondaries last year, you know, when I was rejected, I felt like I had to be more professional or kind of like, I guess, just present myself in a different way. And I didn't know quite how to do that. Um, I read lots of books and videos, but the application is very confusing. So anyways, I, I get to my last school. It's the end of this point I'm about to start my teaching job and I'm like I just like I just need this to be done you know like when you have writer's block like I was just really over it um and I kind of looked at this school and I said you know what like let me just pretend for a minute that this doesn't matter and like let me take the pressure off myself and you know like I'm tired I'm tired of their expectations and trying to please this like imaginary admissions committee. I was like, let me just write from my heart. Like, like who cares at this point? Just like they're taking my money anyways. <laughs> so, um, I sat on my couch and, um, I just like wrote from my heart and I kind of sounded a little unprofessional in my essays. I was very lax. I even mentioned in my essays, like, I thought I was going to get it on the first try and life would be amazing. And I didn't. And here's my perspective on it now. And I said, you know, I've dealt with X, Y, and Z challenges and they really suck, but here is how I'm working on it. And I was just very blunt in my essay. And I tried to convey as much as possible how passionate I felt about this field. Sorry, my boyfriend just came in. (laughs) um so I I submitted the essays and I didn't think I didn't think anything would happen of it and I continued the summer and I eventually started teaching um so yeah you know I kind of felt like this was a throwaway application I I really put it to the back of my mind because at this point I was deciding for myself that medicine was not going to be an identity for me, but rather I was going to live my life as an individual and whatever happens, happens. And that's why I chose to start teaching instead of working in the hospital. So I start teaching and I fall in love with these kids. I mean, (laughs) they really changed my world around. Um, I work specifically with some special needs kids and kids from underserved areas. And I have never seen before, I guess, an opportunity for me to work with people who need, who need me to help them in a different way. Mm -hmm. And kind of what that means to me is how can I make someone feel heard and supported while also pushing them to be their best self? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there was so many days when I was teaching that I came home and I'd look up on my laptop, like PhD in education, or how can (laughs) I create a magnet program? (laughs) I was, you know, cause there's a whole whole world of like ways to help people. It's not just through medicine Mm -hmm. or being a doctor. I fully realized that. So 
I felt, you know what, like if I can't help and grow as a person in medicine right now, I'm going to like grow and help as a person in a different way. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I teaching, I have a brand new respect for teachers. I think they're amazing. <laughs> um, but I was, <laughs> I was teaching one day and it's October now. So we're about midterms. And um, my kids were watching a movie. It was sixth period. And I'm just checking my email on my phone. And I see this email that says LMU. And I'm like, what? Like, am I rejected this early? That's kind of weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I couldn't, I, you know, when you're so like nervous, you can't even like read correctly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I started sweating. I didn't know what to do. So I ran as I clearly do. And I'm nervous. (laughs) And so I ran out my classroom down the hallway and I'm like, can someone, can someone check on my class, please? And I go outside and I, I really like, I clear my eyes and I look again and it's an interview invitation for the medical college. Wow. Um, honestly, you know, throughout everything I have experienced and achieved before, that was one of the best days of my life because it was such a a moment of like unexpected validation. Mm -hmm. Like wow, like a school like saw something in me. That is so awesome. What'd your mom say? Oh my God. I mean, she was, (laughs) I, I love my mom for a lot of reasons, but one of those reasons is she will always answer. If I call, she is there. And yep. so she has um, a great rapport with her clients. And luckily she was with the client she felt comfortable with. And she's in the middle of a waxing service and answers the phone call. <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> and you know, like, her, she's working and I never call during the day. She's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, I'm sobbing. I can't even breathe. I feel like oh I'm having a <laughs> I'm like, mom, they, they got an interview. She's like, what? And now I'm screaming and crying. She's screaming and the client is screaming. We're all screaming. <laughs> That is so awesome. That is so cool. I mean, such a beautiful moment. And I was sitting on the picnic tables outside of my school. So I just knew my class was looking through the window. Like, why is Miss Conti on the bench crying? (laughs) What is that? Why did she run out of the school? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Like chaos. Uh, And um, at that time in my school, Um, I created an emergency medical responder class for my high school as an elective. Um, Nice. It was, you know, it was my idea and I came up with the curriculum and I um, used this amazing website called Donors Choose where I got to upload a bunch of items and people could donate. And I was able to fund a full classroom of medical supplies to teach my kids. Wow. That's fantastic. 
So um, at this time, I think my school, you know, my school had an inkling. I did like medicine, but I didn't tell them, you know, I applied to medical school because I just didn't think it was happening. Like I wrote it off in my head as something that it just wasn't meant to be. So when I came out crying and I told them, they were like, well, one, they're shocked and confused, but they were (laughs) excited. That was just so nice. So they all, you know, they hugged me and they were happy for me. Um, It was, it was really wonderful. It was, I mean, such a shock. That is so awesome. So how did the interview go? Um, Well, it went as smoothly as an interview can. Um, (laughs) I was clearly nervous. I don't think I even slept the night before. Um, I had my amazing boyfriend. He, you know, made sure he was like staying home with me that day. I was so nervous and he brought me like Starbucks and some breakfast and my favorite drink. And I sat at the desk and I, you know, it's on zoom because that's just the era we live in. And I, my essays, my personal statement, I have my notepad, I got everything ready And I just sit there in front of the computer and I read the essay, the secondary, and I like sit with such pride knowing that the one essay that I really wrote with my heart and just bared my soul is the one that got me to this spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like such a kind of like life altering moment, you know, you work so hard and have dreams of a moment for so many years of your life. And to sit in that moment is just so beautiful. So the interview, it went well. Um, It wasn't anything, I guess, crazy, which in hindsight is a good thing. You know, it went smooth and it was very, it was very quick. It was about 30 minutes. Um, And yeah, and then I waited patiently and was dying inside every day waiting <laughs> for <laughs> a phone call. How um, long did you the, have to wait? The interview was the day before my birthday, which is January 14th. And I was accepted on January 30th. So wow. about two weeks, mm-hmm. which is um, pretty fast in the medical world, surprisingly. Um. But yeah, and I was in the middle of class and it just felt so funny. I was in my first responder class with my medical kids and they all, they all knew Miss Conti was waiting for a phone call. My ringer was on for two <laughs> weeks straight and awesome. no one was allowed to call me unless it was the med school. So nobody even <laughs> tried to contact me. Um, so my ringer was on and I'm teaching my EMR kids. I get the phone call. Ugh. I think I like stopped breathing. I went blind. I sweating. <laughs> they <laughs> had know, to do medical like a- attention to you because they all knew that it could happen. And I, you know, I played it in my mind a million different ways, what would happen. And, um, I thought I was going to run out of the classroom because just running's my thing, (laughs) but, um, I got the phone call 
and I'm, you know, I've really connected so much with my kids and they all feel like my little brothers and sisters now. And I answer the phone in front of them. And all I hear is like, hi, is this Emily? Like you interviewed with us a few weeks ago. And like, we just wanted to give you a heads up. Congratulations. Immediately crying. Like I didn't even hear the rest of the phone call. <laughs> I heard nothing else. Um, and it was, it was really just such an amazing moment. It's surreal. Um, and I think the best part is I got to share it with like my kids that I love so much and they got mm-hmm. to see Miss Conti cry and really just see like, such a, you know, they got to witness such a life altering moment for me. And that just feels special. I got to share that with them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Cause that doesn't happen very often. And, yeah. you know, to, to share that with them or for them to experience that, that, that could affect how they you know, go forward with their future, you know? Oh, absolutely. Considering they really didn't understand what, you know, I think they understand that like medical school, you become a doctor, but they didn't understand the implications of what it meant to get there mm-hmm. and kind of what's expected of me from now on. So it was nice. Cause I got to teach them like what a GPA is <laughs> and like, you know, standardized testing in the adult world and how graduate programs work and how important college and like doing well in high school is, if that's what you want to do. Um, it's, it's really been a blessing, this whole journey. It's been scary, but I'm, you know, here we are. Did you, <laughs> and what, what happened when you told your mom, what'd she do? Also, Well, it's so funny. My mom, you know, is on the same like wavelength as me and also Mm -hmm. had her ringer on for those two weeks. And she's been sitting by her phone for those two weeks. Like I, it was always in her hand. I knew that like she never took more than a second to respond. And when I got the phone call, I ran out, (laughs) went to the front of the school, Um, and she's the first person I tried calling and my stepdad answers her phone. Oh, that's weird. I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, I I got in. And my stepdad, Tim is like, what, why are you crying? Like, just couldn't even understand. And I'm like, where is she? Like, why isn't she on the phone? He's like, oh, she's walking the dog. Like she'll be back. And I'm like, out of all the (laughs) <laughs> right the one time the one time in her entire life <laughs> I couldn't even believe it and I'm like I won't tell you just get her so um then I called my like my family and my boyfriend and um then she finally picked up the phone it felt like a year um and I, <laughs> you know it's just like one of those like mother daughter things when you're that close. Like I, I didn't have to say anything. Like we just cried and it was like, yeah. <laughs> just amazing. I get emotional Aww. just thinking about it. <laughs> That's so awesome. I bet she was just so proud. I know she's always been so proud of you. So what a victory moment almost for her. I mean, it's almost a decade in the making. Yeah. That is so cool. So 
Um, so what are your goals for your career as a, as a doctor? Right. Um, oh, wait, so first, let's go back. What, what school, tell us what school you got, you got into. It's Lincoln Memorial University in Tennessee. Okay. So I'll be going to the Harrogate campus. If anyone wants to reach out to me, I love sharing my story and giving advice. Um, I'm very excited. It's, it's awesome. going to be. So, okay. So then what are you, so what are you, go ahead and tell us what your goals are for your, right. This next um, journey, <laughs> this next step. Yeah, it really is like a next journey. It's like an, an entire book now. Um, you know, I think everyone's specialties always change. Um, like how medical school works is the first two years is didactic. So I'm just kind of studying from the textbook and learning the basics. And the last two years would be clinicals where I do rotations of every type of specialty. And at the end of those four years, I pick a specialty. Um, mm -hmm. My experience in the ER made me realize a couple of things about kind of like the world we live in. And that is that a lot of people need help and don't understand what resources are there for them or sometimes can't even access them. You know, specifically working in a rural area, I think I saw a lot of people who had chronic syndromes and like issues where they really needed someone, which would be a primary care provider. But unfortunately, due to like insurance issues, lifestyle, like socioeconomic status, like there's a lot of people in need without the resources they need. Um, so those people, unfortunately, have to filter through the emergency room. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of people I saw regularly, which this sounds really bad, but I was so excited to see them. You know, I, <laughs> hey, Miss Nancy, like I, uh, like I loved seeing those regulars in the ER. Like I knew their name, they knew mine. I loved knowing their history. You know, I was a scribe. So taking the history was really my job. Mm -hmm. So being able to, I guess, kind of see that I had such a passion for seeing those regulars and dealing with chronic illness makes me want to do primary medicine. So that's kind of nice. what I'm going to do. Okay. And so, um, once you're done, I guess, so it'll take you about four years then is what you it'll said. Take years. And then, um, if everything goes according to plan, if I do a primary care residency, that would be about three years. Okay. On top of the four or just, on just top three of years the on top yeah. of the four. Okay. <laughs> so after seven years, <laughs> where do you only seven? You know, like, only seven. I mean, it's no big deal. You're still young. Um, <laughs> so, so where, where do you see yourself in seven to 10 years then? Like when you're done, when you're finally done with all your, your schooling, um, what is your ultimate, like your own practice being with other people? Um, and you said primary care, but will that be adults, children, both those types right. of things? Um, I thought about it a lot. I, I really, well, first and foremost, whether it's 
in the hospital or private practice, I would love to be the type of physician that's on a first name basis and really has created a list of patients where they trust me, I trust them, and we have a good relationship. So that's mm-hmm. something I would like to spend decades doing, right? I want to be a lifelong doctor. On top of that, I think because of my experience with teaching, I would love to work with adolescents. Um, primarily like the, I guess like 13 up range. Like mm-hmm. I just feel like I really connect with them and you know, I see them as people, like they want to be heard. Like, you know, when you're like an adult and let's say you go through like a heartbreak, right? Like it feels really, it feels real and it's tangible. Like you're hurt. It's something you genuinely grieve and deal with. Well, a 13 year old, when they break up with their school crush, it's the same hurt and grief, but most adults don't take that seriously. Cause they're like, Oh, psh, like, I've been right. here it's like you're you're young you're young you don't know anything anyway <laughs> right I mean they've only lived up to this moment in their life of course mm-hmm. they're grieving like their feelings are real so like I just feel so strongly about advocating for them and like you know they you're 13 and you've only lived up to 13. You've only lived up to this moment. Like we should respect you for where you are in your life. And a lot of people unfortunately don't have that perspective. So if I get to be a physician one day to kind of advocate for their voices, I would love to do that. That is fantastic. I am, I don't know. I'm just so excited for you. Um, and what about your mom? Like, what is she? And I know I keep asking only about your mom and that's because, um, I know your mom, um, (laughs) so you have every right, (laughs) (laughs) but like, she does she have dreams and goals for you in this field? Or is she just 100% behind you and wants you to do exactly what you want to do? Well, I think every mother love their daughter to be a plastic surgeon, but that would be convenient, but, um, she really is supportive. Like, I think she just wants to see me happy and she's conveyed that she through like her love and support and like her actions has conveyed that not only does she believe in me, but she trusts me to make the right decision for myself. And mm-hmm. that's like, you know, that's really important. And I can't thank her enough for really everything she's done over this time. It's you get, you know, people are lucky in life to have even one person love them and to have her in my life with the depth of love and support she's given me is just, it's incredible. Yeah, you are truly lucky. She is an amazing woman. And um, to have that kind of support from your mom is, is truly, I'm, I'm sure something that we all hope and wish for and not everybody has. Um, and so you are very lucky, but I am so excited. I'm so proud of you. And I, 
you know, maybe in the future, um, you know, I don't know if I'll still be doing this or not, but I would love to almost do like a, you know, catch up and see how you're doing and where you're at. And if you're still looking into primary medicine, you know, or if you've changed your mind, but so when do you actually start school? I start, um, in July. So it's pretty, a little earlier than most medical schools. So I'll be starting about mid-July this year. So just a couple months. I'm really excited. That's cool. So at least you get to finish teaching this year, right? I would not leave them hanging. I could not do that to them. (laughs) And are they going to continue your emergency response class? Um, I'm not sure. I would really hope so. Um, Mm -hmm. I do feel like basic life support is something everyone should have knowledge on. And I think it's, um, we should make it accessible for people. So if we could Mm -hmm. find someone who would, you know, rise up to the occasion and teach that to them, like, I think that'd be great. Yeah, that would be awesome. I, I just, what a great, um, you know, thing for you to do for the, for those kids. So um, I really appreciate you, um, taking time to chat with me today and, um, what, just one last thing before we end, what advice would you give to the kids or anyone getting ready to go to school or even looking into the medical field? Is there anything that you feel that you wish you had known before you started? Um, I'm actually going to stick with the advice I mentioned earlier, which is anything you do in life, make sure you're proving to yourself first and no one else. This Everything in life should be happening for you and that mm-hmm. things don't happen to you, they happen for you. So everything can work in your favor if you have that perspective. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, I can't wait to see what happens in the next seven to 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today on Test Talks. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Emily about how she was able to get through some hardships and uh, make it into medical school. So remember that all that's super important is proving to yourself that you can do this and anything is possible. So I'd like to remind you to, as always, love hard, live full, and laugh often. And I'll see you next week. Do it, do it.